And now we are going to have our gospel reading. Uh, Libby Steffens recorded it for us this morning, which is really awesome. Thank you, Libby. Hear now the word of the Lord. A reading from the 11th chapter of Matthew, verses 16 through 19 and 25 through 30. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say, he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Continuing to verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Here ends the reading. Thank you, Livy. I want to start today with a um, prayer on this text, a reflection on this text by Walter Brueggemann. Let us pray. Lord of easy burden and light yoke, we give thanks for the simple, direct truth of your life. Grant that we may accept and embrace your truth in concrete ways today. In your name, amen. Well, 32 years ago this week, July 9th to be exact, I gathered on a very hot summer day, it was 98 degrees, in a church on the seminary campus. It was then the Ascension Lutheran Church congregation. And there were my friends and my family, my bishop, pastor, colleagues, and we were gathered there for my ordination day. So as part of that service, uh, the bishop took a red stole and put it on my shoulders for the first time. I remember that I had been taught in seminary that part of the symbolism of the stole was that it was like a yoke, that you were taking on the burdens and the weights of the communities that you would serve. Right after the stole was imposed on my shoulders. Friends and family and colleagues and the bishop all came and put their hands on my head. 
And I remember thinking, that is really heavy. I could feel all that weight on my head. And it really surprised me. And for a half a second, I thought, mm, maybe there's a back way out. There wasn't. And here I am. But the joy of that day was tempered a bit with this sense of expectation of heaviness and burden. It was tempered a bit with this sense of who I should be now that I had this stole and now that I had this new title, the reverend. It felt a bit like a burdensome yoke of office. It was a lot to take on. So now, every time I come across this text from the 11th chapter of Matthew, I'm reminded of that day, and I am comforted with this invitation at the very end of this 11th chapter, where Jesus calls out and says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burden, and you will find rest. Take up my yoke. I learned a little bit about yokes. Yokes, there are a lot of different kinds of yokes. I don't know if you know that or not. There's one kind of yoke that sits on the back of uh, a beast of burden so that that um, animal can take more weight. But there's another kind of yoke that tethers two animals together so that whatever weight they're carrying is divided between them and therefore is lighter. Hang on to that for a minute as we go a little further. I wonder today and I imagine that those words come to me all who weary and are heavy burdened speak to many of us. Lindsay talked about it to the children, that, uh, that wonderful rest of doing things that let us step away from the burden for a few minutes. There are so many things to make us weary right now. COVID, in our prayers this week, as we have almost every week since March, we hear of new cases. We know that there are no answers yet. We know that the answer to diminishing the spread is for all of us to care enough for one another that we do some things to protect ourselves and each other. We are weary from work and school, from home, from social, political, and community unrest, division, and sheer hatred. And we each have our own list of weariness, don't we? The things that, that burden us and that sit on our shoulders. So many burdens. Increased unemployment, increase in domestic violence because of people being in their homes. Increased hunger, increased fear, increased homelessness. How very much we need a bit of rest. So I'm glad this morning for the words 
from this 11th chapter of the Gospel of St. Matthew that speak of respite and comfort. But even as I am grateful for those words, words that we hear throughout scripture in so many ways, that God comes to us when we are weary and gives us that comfort and respite. But I'm also aware that in this scripture lesson, in this 11th chapter of Matthew, that the invitation to come and take Jesus' yoke as a place of rest comes after a whole lot of other stuff and in a pretty amazing context. In scripture, in Matthew's gospel, by this time, people have taken note of Jesus' ministry. He has been traveling. He has called his 12. He has sent them out. He has healed. He has eaten with people that no one thought he should eat with. He's done the work of his ministry. There are already rumblings of the controversies that are to come that we're going to hear about in the next chapters in Matthew's gospel. The rumblings have even gotten to the place where John the Baptist has heard of them. In fact, this 11th chapter begins with John the Baptist's disciples coming to him and telling him what Jesus has been doing. And John the Baptist, from his prison cell, speaking a bit of doubt and question. As a side note, this should be really good news to any of us when we have those moments of doubt and question, right? We're in good company, even John the Baptist. So when they came to him, John the Baptist sent message back to Jesus saying, are you the one? Are you really the Messiah? Or should we be waiting for someone else? Seems like an odd question, doesn't it? From the one who was sent to announce who Jesus is, who had gone to prison because of his zeal for the word of God in Jesus. But things weren't shaping up the way that John had expected. Where was the one who was mightier? What happened to that whole thing about purging the threshing floor? Where was the baptism of wind and fire? I wonder if we've had those days. Days where Jesus isn't exactly who we have needed or expected. John's questions in our day may sound something like, how could this happen? to me, to my friends, to my family. Why? Why has this happened? Why is there suffering? Why is there hatred? Why can we find no peace? Why are people starving? Why is there ill-timed death? Where is that Prince of Peace and healer of all ills we expected when we started with Matthew in those wonderful times of hearing that the Savior was to be born. Jesus, by the way, when he hears that John the Baptist and when he hears that we have these questions, does not chastise. In fact, 
in this 11th chapter of Matthew, he lifts John the Baptist up. He praises him. He talks about his prophecy and all that he has done to announce, to prepare, to get ready. But he also gently reminds him of what has been done in God's name. He says, all right, those of you who are disciples of John, go back to him and tell him. Tell him that you've seen blind people see, that you've seen lame people healed so that they can walk, that you've seen the poor re receive good news. Tell John that restoration, the kingdom, has begun. But then he goes on to say, it seems as though whatever face God's word takes, sometimes our hearts aren't ready. John spoke it from the austerity of sackcloth and eating bugs. Jesus speaks it having banquets with those whom no one else will eat with, healing bringing joy, and people won't hear God's word of grace in either way. Because sometimes we and other people and all God's people are just too caught up in the things that we think God should look like. And we're so caught up that we can't see what God has come to bring to us, how God's yoke upon us is not weight and burden, but the lightness of grace and mercy and love. In the context of Matthew's gospel, the people around Jesus, especially the religious leaders, had become so scrupulous to what they thought was the law of God, to what they assumed they had to do to please God, and to the tax burdens that were coming onto them from the government, that when Jesus came in with a new way and with a new promise and with a word of love and mercy and forgiveness, asking them to turn their lives in that direction, they were too stuck to be able to do it. This text invites us. It invites us first to identify the heavy yokes that we are carrying the expectations of what we think God in Jesus Christ should be and how Jesus Christ should enter into our lives. The yokes of the obligations that we think are stronger than the word of grace. All those things of our lives that stand between us and the grace and power and love and mercy that we are promised. Sometimes we pretty tenaciously hold on 
to the burdens and the weights. We think that the more we carry, the more we are in the place of what God has called us to be and to do. The yoke sometimes looks like the status quo that holds our communities in sway. Just as the gospel says that some would not repent, would not allow God's new order to enter in, would not allow their lives to be turned toward God's grace and mercy in Jesus Christ because it was too risky to eat with sinners, because it seemed too wrong to glean wheat on the Sabbath day, even if that wheat was to feed those who had no other food. It was too scary to stand with those who were oppressed, to speak freedom to those who were in bondage. And sometimes it still is, isn't it? This week, some of us will gather. Some of us have already begun to read a book called How to Be an Anti-Racist. And we're reading it because our communities throughout our country have had a barrage of such racist jargon, such division, so many places where the people whom God has created have been pulled apart. In order to enter into this conversation, we've had to be willing to say that the burden that we carry might be that we are unwilling to look in new ways, to define things with new words, to give new meaning, to build new and different relationships, to welcome new faces to take down things that stand for hatred and oppression and to erect new things that speak of love. When I was on my internship year in seminary, I served in uh, Massachusetts, in Amherst. And in that year, we had an interfaith group that included some Buddhist monks. And the Buddhist monks invited us to come and be part of a project that they had endeavored to, um, to take on. They were building a peace pagoda. They built it from the ground up. They prepared the ground up on a hilltop. They carved frames into which they put concrete to make blocks that would build the structure. And we all went and helped, but we asked them, what, what does it mean to have a peace pagoda? And they said to us, many people build monuments to recognize wars, to remember wars, but we build, we build rooms to invite peace. It's a different approach, a different vision. It is not what is expected, 
but it is something that brings new vision. Jesus prays in this 11th chapter of Matthew, as he so often does. He prays for us to be as infants, open, excited, not sure, joyful, not held in things we have learned must be, but open to things that could be. He knows that the burdens of those who will not and cannot hear his word and turn to his reign of mercy and love are in the sway of things that feel so heavy they cannot let them go. And so he calls and invites, come to me in your weariness. Let go of what is weighing you down and take up a new yoke, a yoke where you are tethered to me, to my word, to my vision, where you are tethered to a way of living that invites new vision, where you are tethered to a world and a word that says loving your neighbor brings you a place of peace and lightness. 32 years ago, this stole was placed on my shoulders with hands on my head and it felt really heavy because it felt like there was a specific thing I was supposed to do in a specific way. And in 32 years, I've learned that God keeps coming in unexpected ways, in ways that challenge and redefine and redirect, that turn me around to places I could not have imagined on that hot July day because the yoke that I bear, I do not bear alone. It is the yoke that connects me always to Jesus, that connects me always to God's love in Jesus. And in that place, I can find rest. In that place, it is not a weight but it is the ease of bringing into the world a word that has given promise to my life and that I know can bring promise and peace and joy to those whom I have been called to serve. We are all, not just those of us who wear a stole, but all of us who bear the name of Jesus we are called to let go of the burden of things we think we ought to be and to be joined, to be joined in the yoke of what God imagines we can be as God's people in the world, in the weary world, 
that so much needs the rest and promise and wonder of God's love and mercy, which we know always in Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.